Hello and welcome my partners in crime and as I say that in the nicest possible way, you know that. So listen, before I start on this true crime, and it is a true crime, it's a solved true crime, this one, it's a, a sad case I think, this one, uh, disturbing, and but it's um, a bit shocking really, so anyway just be a bit warned about that one. But I just want to say, um, make sure that you um, do your subscriptions, subscribe, you know, hit that little bell down there so you can get notifications. So I'm putting about, about four cases this week, probably even five, depending how things go. Um, I haven't been so well, so I'm sorry about my voice, and I've got my coffee there in, in, doing in between this, these cases. So, listen, let's get on. So, subscribe, hit the like button, hit the bell for to get notifications you can follow us on instagram you can follow us on facebook and this will be on podcast and i'll be saying this again at the end of the video so solve crime bit disturbing for some viewers so um here we go so this case it's uh, the britain's youngest well at the time they were the youngest double murderers now this is what they call either the spawning murders um, or the twilight killers they're called and this is Kim Edwards and uh, Lucas Markham who were both 14 year old at the time of these murders. Um, now they murdered Kim's mum, Kim Edwards' mum and her sibling and literally it was planned, it was premeditated um, and really, reasoning is difficult to explain. Now, they're 14-year-olds, these murderers. So there isn't much background on them. I've found some things about what the school kids have said and what the psychiatrist has said, you know, this sort of stuff. And we'll go through that. But first of all, I'm just going to outline this case for you before we go, sort of go into that. So listen, they stabbed these victims at least 10 times in the bed before eating cakes, ice cream, watching a movie, the Twilight movie, and having sex in front of the fire, right? This is what this pair have done. So the killers, as I said, were 14, and they both jailed um, for 20 years, and that was then reduced down to 17 years, because this is what we do in this country. We charge people, like brutal murderers like this pair, even though they were 14, um, they were 15 at the time of their convictions and stuff, and then the court decides, oh dear, you know, 20 years, maybe too long, we'll give them 17. So let me know what you think about that one. So anyway, both these killers um, were in this toxic relationship, really. They were, it was a young love relationship. I think Lucas Markham was known as this sort of... Um, oddball really. He was a bit bullied at school and um, he didn't have many friends. He was sort of social, he had behavioural issues and stuff like that anyway at school. He's in a behavioural unit at school and stuff like this. But with her, I think with Kim Edwards, she was the one really that sort of planned it. And as we go through this case you can sort of see why. Now Kim, as I've said, this was her mother and her younger sister that they murdered. So it's terrible, really. It really is. Anyway. Now Elizabeth, and that was um, Kim's mum, was 49 at the time of her death and her younger sister Katie was 13. 
uh, and they died in their home in Spalding in um, Lincolnshire in April 2016. Now, um, they was reported missing by other family members and stuff, um, hadn't turned up for school, so it's about 17 hours after the murder that this pair were caught for the murder. Now, it's a very strange, I'm going to start off with how they were caught and then sort of go through, because it just shows you their mindset at the time. So the police arrived at um, Elizabeth's home thinking no one's going to be there because no one has seen these people. Now when they've gone in and they've broken in, they found that Kim Edwards and Lucas um, Markham, both in the living room, watching the telly. So they're thinking, oh, where's your mum? You know, what's happened? And I think she says, oh, they're upstairs. Now the police, not knowing any different, have gone up the stairs, and of course what they found is a woman, Elizabeth, 49-year-old, absolutely stabbed to death and been suffocated in her bed, as has the younger, her daughter, youngest daughter, Katie, also been stabbed to death in her bed by Lucas, this, um, <laughs> Markham. Now, the police have then gone downstairs and said, because this scene is horrific, what they found. Now this pair are sitting there eating their cakes and their crisps, they're watching Twilight movies, like nothing's happened. Now they're both arrested, they're taken to the police station and he immediately says, yes, I have murdered them. And she sort of at this stage says, well, you know, I don't really know what happened because, you know, I have, you know, suffered mental abnormalities, um, which impaired her ability, you know, to form this judgment about it. So she's saying she's mentally impaired, okay? It turns out as they've gone through, this plan is hatched about three days before in a McDonald's. Um, <clears throat> the pair have sat there, they've discussed it. And he says to her, this Lucas says to her, to this Kim, you know, are you sure that you want to do this? She says, yes, I'm sure. So this plan has been now hatched out. Now the first time they was meant to actually die these people a couple of days before that, but what happened was when Marcus had come to knock at the window to get into the house for Kim to let him in, she had fallen asleep. So he had to walk home. Two nights later, what happened was, as Marcus then, as Markham had then walked down actually um, Spalding's Coronation Channel to reach Edward's home before knocking on the window three times to let him in. This time she was awake, she stayed awake. She let him in the bathroom window, he stood on the shed and he got in through the bathroom window. And I mean, it's all planned. Now in the rucksack there's a t-shirt and there's four knives. So they're equipped now to do this murder. Now we're talking about her murdering her mother and her younger sister, who's now asleep in this house. So she's let him in. They've opened up all the bag, got the knives ready. First of all, he's gone into Elizabeth's room, the 49-year-old mother who's asleep in this bedroom. He's got on the bed. He's 
held his pillar over her head and he stabbed her ten times in the neck. The woman fought for her life. She fought. He had scratches on him and everything. He had, I think, his face on his body and on his bum. Right, so, did he take his clothes off to make sure there's no evidence left? Well planned, this murder. Then after he's killed her, he's gone into Katie's bedroom, the 13-year-old, and he's done exactly the same to her. Now standing at the door watching all this going on is our own daughter and the sister of Katie, Kim Edwards, standing there watching him slaughter her family in front of her and does nothing. So that's the murder. After that, they took a bath, cleaned off all the evidence. <laughs> They've done that. They've then gone downstairs, had cakes, crisps, watched Twilight, had sex. While these people are dead upstairs, her own family are dead upstairs. And that's where the police have then found them. And that's where we come to. So in this cult, now because they were 14 at the time of this murder, of course they're children, aren't they? Or under the law, they're, they're children. And they were 15 at the time they went to court. Now usually the court would hold back their names. But in this case, the judge decided that in the public interest, and in public safety, that these people should be named. And I have to agree with the judge on this, because what the judge was saying, if we don't release these names, people won't understand the outline of this case. Right, they won't understand, because it's, you know, that this was a, a girl, a 14-year-old girl and a 14-year-old boy that had planned to kill her mother and her sister. The judge wanted it known, right, that this was the whole reason for this. He needed to know, he needed to make people know about um, really the circumstances around this case to the impact of what this would have. You know, I know their age was restricting, but sometimes, and we've said this before in other cases, that names shouldn't be restricted. We shouldn't be, because these people are going to come out at some point, believe it, right? Because really, I've told you in the beginning, they've got 20 years and then it's been dropped to 17 already before they're eligible for parole. So this was 2016. So it's not very long before this pair see the light of day again. And I, for one, would like to know who they are, because if you can do that to your own mother and your sister, I mean, gosh, what else can you do? So there's issues there. But I think the judge wanted it because he says it was the balance, he had to balance out the welfare of the appellants, which they are, against Article 10 of rights of the press and the interest of the public. And I think in this case he got it right, because there's a lot more behind this case than just the murder. It's why they did it. They had this intense relationship where the mother, um, Kim's mother, did not want her seeing Lucas at all. She didn't think he was right. She found him, you know, uncomfortable and um, even had rung up the school on several occasions and wanted this pair split up. Well, she was right, wasn't she? Because look at the outcome, really, of what's happened to this woman. She was right. Um, whether um, he was the one that really initiated it, no, he said, and he has said to a school friend, and I'll read a little bit about what the school friend said about him, to school friends before that he wanted to kill this woman. 
um, but they really didn't take it so seriously because it was just a thing they thought it was kids in love, you know, this was an intense sexual relationship, this is a relationship two people that became toxic, really. Um, because you had the mother saying no to him, so he disliked her for that. But on Kim's side, she was saying that she had this intense hatred for her mother because the mother had such a close relationship with the sister. So there's a bit of envy here, a bit of jealousy here. She took her mother's life and her sister's life because she felt that the sister was getting more attention from the mother than she was. Now, it's typical, isn't it, with these sort of killings, that it's always somebody else's fault. And in this case, they happen to blame the mother. He blamed the mother because he wasn't allowed to see Kim in how he wanted to see her and the relationship that they wanted to have as 14-year-olds. I think we can all agree with the mother that this relationship wasn't right. I think on her side, her fault was against the mother. It's your fault because you like my sister better than you like me. Kim seems to have no fault about her consequences or her actions in, in all of this, apart from it's the mother's fault. Now, you also got this boy, and it's stated in the court reports about this boy, has actually asked her, do you want to do this? And she said yes. It's terrible, isn't it, really? That they've gone to McDonald's for something to eat. They've sat in McDonald's three days prior to that and set up a plan to kill these people, her own family, for them reasons. And that's the only reasons that we can see or have been said, actually, by the, these pair about why they took the lives of these people in such a heinous way. That's it. That's their only reasoning. Now, we can say that they are young and that this relationship, and I think Kim has said herself that it started off as he sort of said it as a joke, I'm going to kill your mother, you know. And then she was the one that said, no, let's kill him. And then he then decided, so it started off as a joke and then escalated into something so deadly that they acted on it. Even though he kept asking her, are you sure you want to do this? She continually said, yes. So this former classmate, this Adam Free, um, he went to St John Glebe's High School actually in Spalding uh, and uh, with both of them, but he didn't really know Kim as much or not really at all, but he did know Lucas. And he's the one that said that Lucas had already come into school a few days or a few weeks prior to that and said, I'm going to kill her, but no one really believed that he was going to kill this woman. They believed it was just him letting off steam and stuff because she was trying to restrict this relationship, what she was, as a mother would do. Um, and they said he'd never mentioned anything about a plot or anything else, um, but he did say that Kim's mum had tried to separate them and he was the one who also said, you know, that they loved each other and it was such an intense relationship. He also said about Lucas that he was bullied at school, <clears throat> you know, on and off. And um, that's sort of really all we know about them, really. Um, and I think he told all this actually to the Metro, so they'd done a big thing with this lad. So um, I think with, 
I think they met in year eight. I think him and Lucas, Adam and Lucas met in year eight at this behavioural um, unit, you know. And he says about Lucas, Jerry yeah, had a few anger issues and stuff, but actually he was okay, but he would be to him. Unless the man didn't want to, didn't like you, he would have probably killed you. You know, there were signs, I think, here. When, when you have a kid going into school saying, I'm going to kill this woman, no one took him seriously. And at, at that time, I think it probably was sort of not a joke, but his frustrations because he couldn't see Kim the way he wanted to see her. So I, I, I agree with this boy, that really, what could have been done. There, was, there may have been slight signs, I don't know about his family, they haven't said anything. But um, I think Kim's mum knew something, Elizabeth knew something or felt something, and really she was right, wouldn't she? And it ended her life, really. Terrible. Anyway, um, he said he wasn't really liked at school, so there was a bit of bullying. He wasn't really liked at school, uh, and he sort of felt, you know, a bit left out, this Lucas. So, a bit of a loner, um, and really once he met this Kim, who actually at school had quite a close-knit of friends, um, quite social, really, and her own group of friends, um, who she had known for a long time. So in her background, there wasn't really much. In his, there was a little bit of bullying, as I say, um, but not a lot. I think with Kim's, her mother used to say to her that you're gonna turn out like your father, and the father had abandoned them really when she was an infant. So she had that little bit of, um, where, the mother, where she felt the mother didn't like her, because I think the mother sort of maybe used a bit of her frustration out on her, because I think Kim, really thought that because this woman had said you're like your father you're going to turn out like your father and she thought the father was no good i think kim felt well, she thinks i'm no good do you see what i mean and so there wasn't much going on there that you could say would trigger this sort of a murder not really but there was an abandonment issue when she was young by the father you had the mother's dislike for the father and then saying you're going to end up the same. She then believed that um, the mother, Elizabeth, liked Sister Katie much better than her. And so there was that envious, that jealousy, that need for, for love and, and stuff. And then I think because they felt that both her and Lucas have found something in each other, this need, this love they had, that's all they needed. They certainly didn't think of any consequences leading up after that murder. Not at all. You know, to sit there and do what they did after they murdered them, poor people. Um, <laughs> I, there was, you, you can see they had no forethought of what was going to happen to them next. I don't think they cared. They never thought that far ahead. They never ran off, they never tried to do anything. They just stayed. As if within a few days of being together with no one telling them what to do, being able to have baths, have sex, watch what they wanted to watch, was enough. Just in a few days. So this Adam sort of says that he feels it all come to a head on um, April the 16th when he went in and killed the mother and the sister. Um, I think, I think he's probably right. That was it. That was their way out 
that's all they could see their way out was. And are we talking about a childhood mind? A mind that's not, you know, forming right? What issues are there? Now listen, they have been looked at by a psychiatrist and stuff like that. Um, and I think the psychiatrists have said that she did have some issues. But then we're going to that now. So it took the jury seven, um, seven men and I think five women um, just two hours and 30 minutes to find these pair guilty. Um, and it was unanimous really, it was uh, the verdict. Um, in his closing speech, I think the prosecution said, and his name is Peter Joyce QC, said, um, brutally and contempt oozes from every pore of this girl. Uh, and she had, she held the lives of her alleged victims as cheaply as you would a hamster or a goldfish. You know how they planned it. You know how awful the details of how they carried it out were. But you also know this girl was a driver between these two. She told the police, we made sure we were definitely okay with it. And he continually asked me if I still wanted to go through with it and I said yes. Katie Edwards' grandfather arrives at Nottingham Crown Court uh, for the sentencing of these killers. And Mr Joyce Addis added, just imagine the scene by the riverbank, the boys asking his girlfriend, do you want to go through with it? Do you really want to do this? Are you sure? It would never ever happen if she had said no. She didn't say no. She said yes. He was offering not to do it. She could have stopped him. She, could bring, she couldn't bring herself to do it, so she got him to do it. He even showed her how that she should do it, but she couldn't do it. He even showed her how to hold the knives as if not to cut herself to do it. Now, she was unable to make any rational judgment. This is what was said, okay? So this doctor said that, um, I think it's a psychiatrist said, and he told the court that this girl had an adjustment disorder and preventing her from forming a rational um, judgment and having the ability to plan. So what this psychiatrist is saying, that she did not have the ability to plan this crime, so it couldn't have been her, it must have been all him. She couldn't have done that. That's where now the counteraction from the prosecution, this Peter Joyce says, she was thinking clearly enough on that evening to unwrap the backpack, the knives, to take the t-shirt out, unwrap the knives from the backpack. She did that, okay? What, I, what else she did was on that night to show that she was in clear knowledge of what was going on and the planning, because in the planning, he was told in the bathroom to take his clothes and his shoes off. When he got to the bedroom door, she stopped him. She whispered to him, remove your shoes. The plan was detailed. You see this plan? So if someone cannot remember or cannot plan a crime or cannot remember the plan, she seemed to remember even on that night when all this was going on, when someone is about to go in and stab your mother and your sister to death, that you say, shh, 
remove his shoes. It's on the plan. No evidence left. That's how they counteracted the psychiatrist's um, statement against her. Because it was clear that because she knew that he had the knives in the bag, she opened the window, remember three knocks on the window, opened the window, let him in, unpacked his um, bag, unwrapped the t-shirt, took the knives out. Just before he'd done it, take your shoes off, remember the plan. Stood there and watched why he killed her mother and her sister. Then had a bath, cleaned up, had sex, had some cake and some crisps, and waited. And I think the prosecution was right. This is a girl who is thinking about what she had planned to do and what she was doing. She knew. So the, the trial heard that the young couple had carried out this plan literally to the letter. Didn't differ from that at all. Clear cut this case. These pair are murderers. That's what they are. She done it because she wanted to, because she didn't like her mother. He done it because he wanted to have a relationship with her and the mother was in the way. And really that's all this case is about. And this has been the Twilight Killers. These are the youngest ever couple to be convicted of this murder at this time in the UK. The girl sobbed as she heard the verdict in this glass, you know, panelled uh, dock in Nottingham Crown Court and she was wearing a black cardigan and black leggings. Uh, the court also heard at this time that the boy had said that the police interview of how Mrs Edwards had scratched his face, his back and his bum uh, as he stabbed her to death. He also told the officers he stopped she stopped struggling and went limp after about three minutes. Following the verdict, Mr Justice Haddon Cave thanked the jury for doing uh, their public duty and told the court um, this has been the most difficult, actually, and important case. And he had to actually pay tribute to the police, really, for what they had done. Because really, this, you know, when you're only first of all looking for a missing people and you turn up at a house where the scene is so graphic and you have people inside the house, so you, you, you can't contaminate anything anymore. You've already gone in there. Uh, and I think the police done a great job in this, actually, in their investigations and also their interview skills with these two young perpetrators. It was done perfectly, actually, by the police. So, uh, also we had people in the public gallery, which was, you know, the ex-husband, the boyfriend of um, Elizabeth, and also the father of Katie and of Kim, the one who's, you know, been charged with this. And, the pair, you know, had a lot of people in this gallery that were affected not only by the deaths, but actually by the perpetrators themselves, really, by the sentencing that was going to come down on this. So the court had also heard that the 15-year-old at the time, Kim was, that she remains on every, five, I think, five-minute suicide watch at that time in custody. Uh, the court also heard that this boy had been telling the fellow inmates about the sickening crimes at his youth offender facility. So, we've got one now, 
the girl that's meant to have planned it that's now on suicide watch because now, you know, reality's hit home, hasn't it? You've murdered someone, you've murdered your own mother, you've murdered your sister, your boyfriend who's meant to love, you've got him to kill him. He's gone away. Now obviously he's got showing no remorse if he's telling everyone in there about his crimes and now you're on suicide watch. And these people will be eligible for parole in 17 years. And this case was in April 2016. So let's wait and see what happens with this one. So you know what to do. You can subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. You can put your thumbs up, you know, hit the thumbs up button. You can follow us on Instagram and on Facebook and you can listen to this on podcast. So thanks for watching. Till next time. Bye bye.